Welcome to Movies or Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Today we are jumping on a plane and heading out to Hawaii to discuss Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which falls at number 10 on the 50 best rom-coms list. I'm bringing in some strong East Texas blood to the podcast today to counteract all the man tears that occur in this film. So I'd like to welcome in a longtime Longview, Baylor, and Fort Worth friend of mine, Cody Cofer. How are you doing? I am great. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, did I miss anything there? I try to get like a three facet thing there of uh, how long we've known each other. <laughs> kind of forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't make a trilogy. It's not three, but just someone that you've known pretty much forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I know we've known each other for a long time, and we've had a bunch of conversations about stuff. But I was trying to think about it, and I don't know if we've necessarily really talked much about like movies or entertainment type of stuff but like do you consider yourself a big movie fan or movie buff or yeah i'm a big movie fan i always have been it started really with my dad who i would you know go visit and he and i as one of our activities every other weekend we would go see a movie together pretty much every weekend and so you know it's just a a great experience for me to go and share this with my dad. And we saw everything from the latest Arnold Schwarzenegger film to we both cried in Titanic, you know? And so um, that, that sort of love of film has followed me for the rest of my life. Oh, so I, I don't know if I would necessarily peg you as like a romantic comedies type of guy but do you you just mentioned i mean titanic's definitely not a comedy but like uh do, do you like the genre absolutely love romantic comedy i really like every kind of film and i'm looking for the best or the most entertaining in every kind of film but i do love romantic comedy it's one of my favorite genres and which is handy because it's uh movies that i can watch with my wife so we don't have right. to fight over the remote as much. I, exactly. I, I know Whitney's really enjoying us going through this list. Cause even though she hasn't necessarily watched all the movies with me, but like this one, she's like totally content with me, like throwing on and like, you know, she can fall asleep. You know, she gets mad at me with like certain movies. Sometimes she's like, I, I can't fall asleep while you're watching this uh, zombie apocalypse show or whatever <laughs> it, might, it might be. So. Yeah, we, um, sort of fight over the movie choice from time to time. But when she's being indulgent, that's when we watch my superhero films like the Mm -hmm. MCU, or you just mentioned my personal favorite genre of any fiction, and that's apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic. So she'll indulge me and watch those shows from time to time. But yeah, rom-com is something that we can agree on. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, to set up a little bit uh, today's film, um, I think I think it's a pretty popular film that probably most people have seen. But Forgetting Sarah Marshall is directed by Nicholas Stoller, who is also known for Get Him to the Greek, Five Year Engagement, Neighbors, which is a really funny movie, and the recent box office flop Bros <laughs> that came out uh, this past fall. Or maybe it was the summer. Yeah, kind of late summer. But uh, this film stars Jason Siegel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, and Russell Brand. The film, which was written by Siegel and co-produced by Judd Apatow, was released by Universal in April of 2008. The story revolves around Peter Bretter, who is a music composer for a TV show that happens to feature his girlfriend, Sarah Marshall, in the lead role. After a five-year relationship, Sarah abruptly breaks up with Peter. 
devastated by this event, he chooses to go on vacation to Hawaii in order to try to move forward with his life. Trouble ensues when he runs into his ex on the island as she is on vacation with her new boyfriend. Obviously, this was a movie you wanted to talk about. So um, is this like, um, did you see it when it came out or has this always been a favorite of yours? Well, Nathan, you sent me the list to choose from real late. So all the movies I really wanted to talk about were taken. And <laughs> I no, uh, no, this was a movie that I saw in the theaters in 2008. I actually saw it with my girlfriend. And I went on to marry that girl. She's my wife now. But we were at a time in life when we were studying a lot. We weren't going to the movies. We weren't watching a lot of television. So we were kind of unaware of what was happening at the movie theater, what was popular. You know, this is uh, Judd Apatow. You know, he's really come on the scene in a big way, shaping comedy. But we were pretty unaware of all that and went and saw this movie not having any expectation and we're rolling in the aisles laughing. So it was just one of those great movies where you go in very cold and it just knocks you back with the the humor. And I think it also ages well. We I, I rewatched it with my wife and we both laughed the entire time. Yeah. Uh, maybe save a few like maybe technology type of things that uh, you know, or in this movie, it, it, you're right. It's, it feels very timeless. Like there's not much about it to me that would make it feel like, I mean, at this point, uh, I mean, it's not quite 20 years, but around 15 years or so, you know, it does, it does feel like something that could still like come out today. Um, and not feel too date, you know, too, too dated. Now, I don't know how many people like have access Hollywood on their TV all the time, but, <laughs> but it's definitely a show that's still around. If it's not that it's TMZ or something, I guess, you know? Right. But, right. Yeah. Uh, like you, um, I've just, I, I've always been a big fan of Judd Apatow. And even though he didn't necessarily direct this, uh, I think, you know, he definitely was a producer on this and it was a film that kind of spawned off. Uh, if there wasn't 40 year old, well, 40 year old virgin, like just kicked off, a string of these type of movies that, you know, are comedies probably a little bit more emotional, deeper than most comedies are, but also <laughs> kind of known for their length. But, um, you know, cause this one I think is a, almost about two hours, but I, it, it's a just these type of movies. I've just always in, enjoyed. I like if to me, if it's, if it's funny, I, I don't care that it's two hours, <laughs> two hours right. long. And yeah, it definitely, um, I mean that it kind of died off there, but I mean, there was a lot of movies, uh, like this, you know, knocked, knocked up and, um, you would see similar actors and, um, I, I think even like role models, um, and then like, I love you, man, you know, Paul Rudd and super um, bad. Yeah. Super bad. All those, you know, but, um, I, all those movies, I think I, I, I could always throw throw on and watch. I've I've always enjoyed those, but yeah. So I saw something about Judd Apatow giving Jason Siegel some advice in writing the movie. And his initial advice, I think, was something along the lines of your first draft that I want you to turn over to me should be a drama. And mm. we're funny guys. We'll make it funny later, but be sure it has the narrative in the story that people are going to care about. And I, I really think that's the reason you can make it the two hours uh, is because yeah. there's really a good story narrative and narrative there that Jason Siegel captured. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. If it if this movie didn't have a comedy element to it, it probably would still work just on a story because it, it's really, I mean, I'm sure there's other movies that I'm not thinking of, but I mean, this movie really just taps into an experience that I think everybody goes through in life, no matter, I mean, it might not necessarily be a five-year relationship, but I think anybody has gone through a breakup before and can relate to that. And uh, I don't know if you can, I, I mean, I know there's probably other movies that deal with like breakups of some sort, but I don't think uh, quite to this depth and even probably even having the male protagonist <laughs> as the one who's really going through this, so to speak. Yeah, I, there are, of course, several breakup movies, but it usually doesn't make up the entire movie and it usually doesn't follow the male perspective. And it certainly doesn't portray the male perspective in this way, the blubbering, the crying and that sort of thing. That's one of the things that makes Jason Siegel so great is he, he definitely is an accessible leading man. Yeah. And I, I kind of almost forgot. And, and even as I say this, like how much he has been in our lives as an actor, uh, we just started the new uh, Apple TV plus uh, series shrinking that he's in, that he stars in uh, Harrison Ford's in that. And then, so it is kind of funny that we started that and then we've done this movie kind of weird timing, but I'm like, Oh yeah you know, how I met your mother, then like, I love you, man. Uh, even, you know, the, the Muppet movie, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he, you know, it's, it, he's almost like kind of a surprising leading man because, uh, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily like a bad looking guy. He's definitely not the epitome of like, you know, who you mentioned, like Schwarzenegger earlier, but I, I mean, I guess that makes him what, you know, he's, he's very relatable, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you can see, you know, you can see yourself. I, I don't know. I've never quite eaten a, a full box of cereal in a bowl before, but, um, you know, I may, I'm pretty sure the idea might have crossed my mind at some point in my life. Right. <laughs> so, so you've always liked him as an yeah, actor. I've, this, this may have been the first time that I noticed him was this movie. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was a late watcher of how I met your mother, but he was fantastic in that, you know, just such a likable guy, pretty similar character to forgetting Sarah Marshall and how I met your mother. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, he's just, he just seems like somebody really that you could be friends with. Right. Um, mm -hmm. you just want to be, you're like, man, this guy seems so nice and friendly and cool. I want to be his friend. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's in a, uh, he's always been in that Judd Apatow world. I, I've always been a big fan of freaks and geeks. And I probably explored that series after these movies came out, like, cause I love Judd Apatow stuff so much like, Oh, what did he do? And so, you know, he was, Seth Rogen was originally on that show and uh, a couple, uh, uh, Lin yeah, Linda Cardellini was in that show. So a lot of like young actors got their role. So, you know, he's been doing this a long, you know, a long time. So, uh, I mean, I, I think this was definitely one of his first big starring roles, but um, it is kind of interesting. He, didn't he date Linda Cardellini? Well, what I read, I, I don't know if this, like, apparently this movie when he wrote it was based on their relationship um uh, and he said with three other breakups as well with un he didn't specify the women but he said he also said that like he him and uh linda cardellini are still good uh <laughs> good friends and stuff like that but also kristen bell was probably doing stuff at this time and also mila kunis but i, I think they're really good at their the roles in this movie as well they were fantastic and i i do have to say that you can tell 
that that Jason Siegel was sort of running the ship and that in that there's this guy that is, like you said, I mean, he's not necessarily an Adonis. I mean, handsome guy, better looking than me, sort of taller than me, cooler career than me. But then he's got the, the these two women who, you know, are arguably perfect tens. Um, and then at the time, you know, we have uh, uh, Kunis, who is Jackie on that 70s show. And then uh, Belle, who's coming off of Veronica Mars, um, you know, really. That's right. Yeah. Few, doing really great, really great work. And there's such great comedic actresses. I think when you and I were growing up, like through the 80s and 90s, it was very rare for a comedic actress to also be hot. I don't know why that <laughs> is, but it just, and so it's really great to have two really attractive uh, leading ladies and they are wonderful comedic actresses. Yes, they are, but they, they both have, I, they definitely, even though this is for sure a comedy movie, I do think they, they show quite some range in their feelings. You know, there's moments where they have to be, completely vulnerable or completely mad or, you know, and all those things. And yeah, it's, it's played off uh, really well. So, but yeah, kudos, kudos for uh, all the casting and Siegel to be like, you know, I think the two girls that yeah. need to be in these roles, but you know, it's very interesting what you, I hadn't really thought about uh, of them all, you know, basically coming from that TV world, you know, and kind of breaking through with this. And I had forgot about the Veronica Mars thing. So it kind of makes the whole, a uh, crime show uh, show that Sarah Marshall's in kind of even funnier, you know, it's almost like a tongue in cheek. Like she's been trying to get out of that world into feature films. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, some of the movie I think was autobiographical, at least in spirit of Jason Siegel. And I do think there's some of that for uh, bell and her character. You know, I don't know if it was an intentional, but I think some things might've lined up. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think Russell Brand is, cast like perfectly in this role uh just as the you know the new boyfriend that comes in that you hate but are, is also like cool <laughs> as well uh but i think uh, before i let you go into this uh first i wanted are, are you a russell brand fan and i want to say that also i think it's funny i think russell brand is a person who like you're going to have to work like as my kids get older and they might see him in something going like, who in the world is this? And it was like, there was definitely a moment in America's time where Russell Brand was like the thing <laughs> or whatever like that. But have you, have you liked him or do you like him as an actor? I, I do like him as an actor. I feel like this movie had just about all I could handle of him. If there would have been a drop more, it would have been too much, but I, I do his role and, his performance were fantastic, hilarious. Um, and, you know, I didn't know who he was before this movie. And I've not really followed his career. You see him pop up every now and again. But like you said, it was at this time, everybody went crazy about him. And, of course, that's a big part of the reason, I think, that you have the somewhat sequel to this that get him to the green. Yeah, I, you know, which I saw. But honestly, I, I don't remember anything about it <laughs> at all. I, so. I remember there's a minute, like a miniature uh, giraffe. That's the only thing I remember about the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen them kind of randomly like uh, pop up and some things every once in a while, like uh, almost real, like small supporting roles, but he's fit really well in them. I can't, I can't place him right now, but yeah, I definitely like if it, 
if you can stand his like presence and his cadence, like some of his stand-up specials, I mean, he, he's a really smart guy. He kind of, you know, he's actually pretty intellectual of bringing, you know, kind of social issues to like kind of the type of comic who's like, why haven't we ever explored this more? But he had a show on FX too that I remember that came out. Um, and I can't even remember the name of it, but I liked it, but it was, it was pretty much gone as soon as it started. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely cast really well, but yeah. Um, if, uh, Hallie ever sees him in a movie later on in life, I'm going to be like, yes, he, he starred in a remake of Arthur. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, this guy at one point was thought he could, you know, he was basically billed as like a leading man. <laughs> so, um, you know, but, it just, it just comes to me, uh, that. He was in something I saw recently and absolutely didn't recognize him. Um, do you, it was like a mystery film and I was surprised and I thought he had a really great, really oh, great performance. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, was it the, like a de death on the Nile or something? Yes, like that? I think that's what that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize so. until, yeah, I didn't. And that was a really great movie. I didn't realize until, halfway through the movie that oh that's russell brand <laughs> yeah but yeah um kind of going back to like this movie and just the core of like kind of getting into whether you're male or female you've gone through uh breakups before and i think the moments of awkwardness of when you for the first time run into an ex in a social setting i think it just hits the beats and the tones like perfectly <laughs> it does so, yeah, I, I I can't I can't trace to like a specific story or whatever, but there's just so many moments that just hit to the core. And I really like in this movie uh, how both him and Sarah Marshall have these flashbacks of moments of their relationship, you know, both good or bad. Like, you know, when she's thinking about like all the times he basically was holding like her purse uh, <laughs> for her uh, or like. The moment where he was like trying out his song. I like those little moments because I, I feel like we do that in life with, you know, when you're trying to get through that kind of uh, broken relationship, you know, you go back to those little moments in your head. And I liked how those played out in this movie. I don't, you, could you connect to any of those moments? Yeah, abs absolutely. Well, first, the flashback and the montages that they use were great, I thought. A lot of people really bash the use of the flashback as being a lazy narrative device, that sort of thing. But, you know, when you want to keep fast pace, funny movie going, you can't break it down to have a long exposition. And so I think the flashbacks were used really well in this and the few montages they have, like at the end, whenever he's sort of getting his act together and, you know, it doesn't drag us through a year of him having to rebuild. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I, I can think of, instances in with my own relationships where you know maybe even my decision to to uh beg aaron to to uh take me back and which ended up turning into an engagement and marriage of you know those sort of flashes where you you go through the catalog of just how wonderful this person was and all the things you share with them so you know that felt real in the way that we sort of remember things and i, I thought it was a great way to develop the characters without getting too bogged down. Yeah. And I really like that moment where him and Sarah are having kind of a, you know, sit down talk and she's finally kind of throwing back on him that maybe he wasn't like perfect in the relationship. And that's a good, I, I, I like 
I think this script is a very like vulnerable script. I mean, including, you know, <laughs> him being in, fully nude at the beginning and end of this movie. <laughs> I mean, how vulnerable can you get? Uh, but I, I did like that moment where you start, you know, it kind of turns and it even, even uses those flashbacks again to show, you know, where she's like, Hey, you weren't, where were you going in life? You know, you were so lazy. You didn't want to ever go, wanted to go out. And they were showing all those fun, funny moments of him by himself in the house, including the Lord of the Rings reference. But yeah, I, I just, I felt like those were utilized really well, but also I really liked how this movie, it's not trying to paint Peter as the perfect guy. Like also that he's a very like faulty character himself. Everybody was so likable in the movie. And I always say that villains, and I don't know that there's really a villain, obviously there's the one in the title, but I don't know there's really a villain in this movie, but I always say villains, they have to have something that you can relate to and connect to so that you can sort of see yourself. And that makes them all the more despicable because it brings on an element of self-loathing. All the characters in this were were just really likable. And so you, you, you sort of hate Sarah Marshall at the beginning, but then, yeah, the, the scene you're talking about where she unpacks, like, look, man, you weren't the greatest. I was trying really hard. And she describes all these things that really seem out of character for who we've known of her in the movie. And then we, you know, but we also have the, where they sit down and they talk about the cancellation, cancellation of the show. And she goes through the same uh, sort of flashbacks with him about how great and supportive he's been. And you also, the, the, the shirt flashback was great where Russell Brand <laughs> is just real upset that he's wearing that shirt. And then she thinks about all the stupid things that she has bought, uh, you know, over the years and how uh, Peter just was proud. Like he was proud of his stupid hat and his man purse because his girlfriend gave it to him. You know, it, the flashbacks were really great. And I, I think, um, you know, just gave us a lot more to the characters, a lot more meat on the bone. Yeah. And I also like how explain, I mean, with anything in life, we always focus, you know, you put yourself, uh, you know, number one. And I, I like how also, so like when you're going through this thing and then you're seeing your ex and they look so happy and stuff. And I like how the relationship between uh, Sarah and Alda snow kind of <laughs> goes out of control a little bit, because obviously, you know, like what's on the surface doesn't mean that like everything's perfect or, you know, peachy or whatever like that. So I, I like how they, you know, that kind of self-destructs in its own way, just to show that like, yeah, even though she looked happy initially, you know, that, that was, that was a relationship that was going to falter at, at some point in life. So, uh, but I, I do like how he, Elvis Snow is just like, whenever things finally like kind of got real for him, he was, he, he was out, he was bailing. So, yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because he wasn't going to change into who she wanted. And he could see this is not going to work. We, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of deep for Alice snow, but it's, we have very different values. There's no point in us trying to fight through this. We're in different places in our lives. We have different values. It's better just to be done now and, and let us move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, probably I like a lot of us have, have hung in there on probably a lot of us have hung in there on relationships when we should have been a little more like Aldous and be like, all right, I'm out. Sorry, I'm gonna call a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I like the moment where she's basically like, "All that stuff, you actually really believe that?" And he's like, "Yeah." And, and when it's like, "Oh, this whole thing is not 
as it's not quite as an act as I thought it was. <laughs> you know, he, right. he he has these core values. No matter what you think of his core values, yeah, he's definitely not straying from that. And so, yeah, we've always said, and uh, we try not to become the old people to. Uh, the younger friends that we have in life who might be going through relationships, but we've, we've, we've always said, and it was true for uh, me and Whitney that like, we've always said like, when you, when you're, when you can be your true self with like somebody else and that person accepts you for who you are, you don't have to do all the, you know, pretending or whatever like that. Uh, it's, you know, that if you can be your true self, that's, and someone loves you for that, that's, you know, that's where the true connection can be. And the sooner you can do that, uh, like with each other, the the better, you know, not to get too deep and existential and weird about it, but I 100% agree with what you said. I think Peter also shows us at the end with the, uh, you know, sort of with the nudge and in the, the help of Rachel that you know, to be able to engage in true love, to be your true self, you have to have a true self. You have to have something to give up. And so, you know, otherwise a relationship is just codependency. And I, I think Peter, Peter's character shows that he he figures out what he wants, who he wants to be. And as far as we can tell, with a super happy ending, Rachel accepts that. But it was so it wasn't just about finding the right person, Rachel, because he did that in Hawaii. Right. He had to go out and figure out who he was so that he had a true self to be. And I yeah, think that's yeah. really the greatest part of the movie's message. Yeah. Do, do you do you like the uh, Dracula musical that he <laughs> that he puts on? I would have gone to see it. I would definitely go and see it as a live performance. Uh, you know, I <laughs> it was it's not my style. I mean, it's you know, but uh, I, I found it I found it pretty funny. Uh, uh, I know Whitney. I feel like we saw this in the theater when it came out, but for whatever reason, she didn't re really remember this movie too much, but she was <laughs> the Dracula stuff didn't work for her <laughs> too much. But I was like, we're, we're a big fan of, well, I've always loved the Muppets, but you, you can kind of see the little breadcrumbs that were leading up to that in this movie. And even uh, he's playing the Muppet show theme song on the piano at one point or whatever like that. And so uh, just because we, that was actually, even though Hallie was like, a baby or one when that Muppet movie came out, that was the, the Muppets. So uh, that was like the first official movie that we took her to. So I, I might have a little bit more uh, emotional ties to that movie <laughs> than well, some people. But when, when I saw forgetting Sarah Marshall, I didn't realize that or didn't know Jason Siegel had written it. And when he's doing the Dracula song, I thought to myself, what a mate, what kismet, what a what amazing luck that someone wrote this movie for someone to come and do this Dracula voice and play the piano. And then Jason Siegel's able to just come in and, and kill it. Like, how does that even happen? And then I was like, Oh, oh okay. Like, so he might, he had this in mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he definitely, he definitely kind of embodies a Muppet, like in just in his look and <laughs> everything. So, uh, well, um, I, I don't know if this is the most quotable movie ever, but were there any like quotes that stood out or like some of your uh, favorite quotes? I felt like there were a lot of great quotes that probably you can't carry into everyday life, but right. it, we haven't really talked about Kunu, Paul Rudd's character, <laughs> who's just a gem. And when they're out there doing a surf lesson with no waves, sitting on the boards talking, and he and his advice is something to the effect of, uh, 
when life gives you lemons, just, they fuss lemons and bail. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just this great island wisdom. Just go with the flow. But yeah. uh, Kunu was a wonderful bit of flavor in the film. Oh, for sure. I, uh, I, I've always been a huge fan of Paul Rudd, like most people, but yeah, I, I think he's wonderful in this movie. And even when they meet up again and Peter is like, Hey, he acts like he hadn't met him before, uh, that yeah. moment. And I, I love it. it. It was just, I mean, I feel like it was probably improvised, but just even when he sings, Oh, the weather outside is weather. weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I like the setup you got there. I know the listeners can't see it, or, but I, around your keyboard, are those sad tissues or happy tissues? <laughs> I had that written down. I don't want to <laughs> disclose which, uh, which <laughs> so, but <laughs> that's real fun. And I mean, it's not the most quotable, but when, um, when Peter and Sarah see each other in that hotel lobby and she, he said, Peter, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I'm here to murder you. <laughs> I, just, I, I like how that aw awkwardly plays out. But yeah, K yeah, Kuno for sure has, I think, most of the uh, most of the lines for sure. But um, uh, are there any uh, favorite scenes that you have from this movie? The best scene, I think, is the dinner scene with both couples. Because mm -hmm. you have a lot of character development but also the plot is furthered really quickly as far as realizations that the characters make and then you also have the jonah hill <laughs> bit where he, he like uh you know throws his tantrum or whatever uh but he can't yell because he doesn't want to get fired <laughs> uh, yeah that i think was my favorite scene um for i mean you know just it was just hilarious it was i, I think well done well paced yeah um, yeah, and I, if any, I think that scene almost really epitomizes a, a Apatow type of stamp on it. I, feel, I really feel like you know these moments of like awkwardness, but just like where it sits. And I mean, there's, and it's hard, especially in comedy movie or any movie for that part, just to have moments where it's just quiet and <laughs> the dynamics that happen uh, amongst that dinner. Yeah. It's a, it's, I think a really well written scene and, you know, it's definitely the turning point for a lot of the characters. Uh, I mentioned the quick flashbacks. Um, and I, I like the whole surfing scene with uh, Peter and Aldous Snow where you know i like how Aldis like starts talking about like he listened to some of peter's stuff and the way he described his music <laughs> and peter's like like basically like damn it that's exactly what i'm going for and i like that moment of kind of connection even though they still have a robbery but then he you know knocks <laughs> knocks Aldis out on the surfboard and then the choral scene that just string of like events i i've always really liked i like how peter like passes out when he sees the blood so yeah yeah um that's yeah that's, that's, a, that's a hilarious scene and one that i kind of relate to just how he accidentally knocks him out you know it and of course, from Aldous's perspective, it's like, oh, this guy's trying to kill me. I mean, he doesn't really he doesn't really express that. But I mean, that would be the obvious conclusion. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great scene. And I, I think it, you know, on the on the serious side of the scene kind of is insightful. Whoever your ex is into, you know, they're they're going to the next person with a lot with the same taste that they had for the most part whenever they chose you. So a lot of times there is a lot of commonality in the next guy or the next girl. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is pretty hard. Like Aldous does seem to be pretty cool. I mean, super douche, but 
nonetheless, <laughs> so comfortable in his own skin. Pretty cool. Yeah. And I also think the cliff scene uh, between uh, Peter and Rachel uh, is really good. Uh, I mean, it, it, it seems like you definitely have gone through like a lot of share of your uh, hikes lately. I've seen like on social media and stuff, but like how they hike up to that cliff and th just the moment where it comes up. <laughs> <laughs> him hanging from that cliff i think is pretty funny so uh but it's oh and then it, and then we get the kiss right he gets in the yeah. water and then we have the first kiss I and mean, it's a great yeah. scene and yeah. also it, it mirrors the uh conversation that he has with sarah marshall when she's talking about him staying on the pier and he's like no no, no give me another chance i'll jump in and and then we have this you know hyperbolic version of that mm. uh with Rachel. Um, I, I mean, there, there's a lot, I think in this movie, they do, they do a, a great job of, you know, some callbacks foreshadowing and then symmetry. You mentioned earlier uh, the, the nude breakup scene at the beginning and then the <laughs> nude happily ever after scene at the end. I mean, I just love that symmetry. Uh, yeah. That the movie does. Yeah. I couldn't help but think of like how hard it would be to tread water and uh, kiss like that. But <laughs> I think about that every time, like movies, people can tread water for so long and I'm like 20 <laughs> seconds and I have to get to a rock or the side or something. I'm certainly not, you know, it, but I mean, it's all, there, there are a lot of things that happen in movies like, you know, the empty coffee cup, uh, the, the lovemaking, you know, against the wall, like picking someone up, you know, just mere mortals are not, not equipped to do <laughs> right exactly movie musings first question you even made reference to this scene but uh do you own a tommy bahama shirt i own several shirts that could have been made by tommy bahama <laughs> i'm in the phase of life where i embrace dressing like a dad a little ironically a little bit to be mean to my kids and wife to embarrass them but the real secret is I just kind of like the style. So yes, <laughs> I have a lot of Aloha shirts in the closet. I, I love what I love in the movie when that older man sees Elder Snow and he kind of like winks at him just because they both have the same shirt on. And I just love that because it's already it's already like such a sensitive subject to him <laughs> and that just like takes it over the top for him. I, that's a really good moment. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I don't think I own uh, too many Hawaiian ass type of shirts but uh it's a place i've never visited so anyway i'm i'm hoping oh, you've got to go it's beautiful we went there uh for our anniversary or 10 10 year anniversary a couple of years ago and so kind of like the movie i went there not having any real expectations and was it's a gorgeous place we went to um you know the volcano national park and it's you know kind of like nothing you've ever seen before so highly recommend it and that's another thing that was great about this movie is the retreat to Hawaii for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No kidding. <laughs> especially uh, in this cold weather, uh, especially for you all. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Fort Worth, but um, well uh, maybe going, you, you don't have to incriminate anybody here, but like there might be a moment or I just was wondering what, what's the worst breakup that you've ever been through. I don't know that I have a breakup that, I felt like I went through such a such a destructive, terrible time as, you know, uh, being in the fetal position and crying like Peter, uh, certainly some that hurt. But, you know, I I uh, I'm curious if, you know, I had kind of a breakup when you and I were seniors in high school or uh, actually, I guess it was right 
it might have been after um might have been after our first year at baylor that's what it was but i was back in longview and uh we had a breakup and then for the entire summer my ex-girlfriend just followed me around uh longview the town like all summer long and created all kinds of scenes and drama it was it was uh pretty ridiculous for you know small town east texas but um yeah that, that, that was the most dramatic breakup not many places you can uh, hide there <laughs> no no i tried to hide in all of them and i couldn't find a safe spot but yeah if you uh, want to go she's to wonderful the... she's doing well she grew up matured and i you know i think she's she has uh you know lived happily ever after as far as i know yeah uh like you yeah i've definitely never uh gone through such a long relationship as peter like five years and then you know then a breakup uh luckily you know it's more so looking back now and going like <laughs> why did i react like that to such a <laughs> short-term relationship uh i never i never like uh went to hawaii to uh escape from it all but i think i definitely like explored like different areas that i would not normally had as much you know just to kind of it's like well i've never tried this and now here's my opportunity to just to try to kind of find answers you know to something but uh thankfully it does i don't think anything as awkward as <laughs> as you went through <laughs> in this movie he you know I, I may mention to it earlier he eats a lot of cereal in this big bowl but do you do you have a favorite cereal that you oh like? fruity pebbles oh fruity really pebbles for sure yeah. yeah and i've only eaten it a handful of times as a full-on adult but it's such an indulgence when I have done it. It just makes me so happy. And I think I have done exactly what he does in the movie, get a giant salad bowl and just dump the entirety of it. Because I also know that if I keep it in the house, you know, I'm going to throw it away after I have my bowl and get my fix. So I go ahead and just make the bowl as big as I can. And, uh, and then, you know, try to eat it fast enough to where the little pebbles still have some crunch. <laughs> do, you, do you let your kids eat uh, sugary cereal? You know, they just don't. I, mm -hmm. I'm not that great of a parent in the nutrition arena. There are a lot, there's a lot of snacking, a lot of bad habits. But naturally, my kids have just made some really great choices. They don't drink sodas completely on their own, just don't have an interest in anything that's bubbly. And they're not, re they're not really big on uh, cereal. So... I uh, we have it in the cupboard. So if you come over and you want some cereal, Nathan, uh, you just help yourself. You have fridge privileges at my house. You can go to the fridge or the, or the cupboard. But yeah, they don't really eat that. <laughs> oh, that that's good to know. So I, I you you might you might uh, regret saying that. You know, now that I know that. So I regret most you know. of our relationship, Nathan. But uh, <laughs> that's okay for you to well, come it, over and have some cereal. Yeah, but you, you came on this podcast anyway, so I appreciate mm -hmm. that. <laughs> Rom-com rankings. By the end of this, you will see if this movie is number 10 on the list or even higher or lower. Um, I, initially, when I saw that it was number 10, it kind of shocked me. But even as we, we're discussing it right now, it's almost built up high, higher in my mind because it got my mind kind of going more than I imagined. I um, I, I do think the movie is really good as a whole, but I was even kind of surprised the second, I think the second half of the movie 
is really, really strong. Um, I think the first half you remember, especially all the minor characters that happen, but I, I think it does take some emotional depths in the second half that I found real uh, surprising, but really good. But the, the first category I have is the romantic chemistry between the leads. So uh, how, how would you rate uh, the chemistry between Jason Siegel and uh, Mila Kunis in this movie? I would rate the chemistry a four, maybe a four and a half. Okay. I can, so I compare it to the best on-screen chemistry that I've ever seen. I saw as good as it gets in the theater. So I was pretty young and Jack Nicholson and, um, Oh, who's the, the leading lady in that? I don't even know. I, I've never said leading lady before in my life. I've said it eight times in this <laughs> podcast. I don't know. Who's the female lead. And as good as it gets. Anyway, there's a scene at the end when Jack Nicholson, he's in love and he goes out and he kisses her. And as a kid, early, early adolescent, I saw that and I said, man, that, that was kind of lackluster. And then he says, I can do better. And he kisses her again and there are fireworks. And I was like, how in the world does an actor do that? So that is, that's my five in my mind, the, the ability mm -hmm. to evoke that. And so, but I think this is four and a half. I mean, really great chemistry. Um, you know, the uh, the characters do a good job. It, the relationship is not the same throughout the movie. And so I, I think they just do a good job of playing off of each other. And even with a comedy going on, you still have the tension. And so I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I would I would give it four stars. And I think almost mainly uh, due to Mila Kunis's performance here. I mean, she's absolutely gorgeous. And she somehow are she's in these movies and she becomes so relatable. I, I'm not I'm not up on like uh, celebrity gossip, so I don't know who she's really dating in real life. <laughs> but she somehow makes you believe that uh, she is uh, sensitive enough and care free enough to end up with this guy who has just produced a Dracula musical. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and, yeah, but um, I think it's mainly due to them. But yeah, I just love. Uh, um, yeah, I love their interactions and, uh, um, she's almost kind of almost, I think of a, probably a, a fairy tale, a vision that guys might have of the girl they end up with someone who looks like her, but also totally acceptable of your, uh, your faults, you know, but, um, yeah, it, 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 it works for whatever reason. So, well, um, you know, uh, so it's funny you say that about this fairy tale, when I watch the movie, I'm rewatching movies. I have an eye for, or I'm trying to look for how they age in today's context. And for the most part, there wasn't anything that was over the top um, offensive uh, in this. There is this one scene where Mila Kunis or Rachel, um, and th they're going back to the hotel to hook up. And he says, are you sure you're not too drunk? And she says, don't be so sensitive. And then they go on. That one bit is probably the only thing that wouldn't make it past Me Too censors today, right? Um, but by and large, the movie, I think, ages well in that regard. I kept looking for Mila Kunis to be uh, the, sort of the manic pixie dream girl. You know, mm -hmm. the girl that doesn't have anything other than to motivate the male protagonist along the way. And And I think we don't know much about her. We know that, you know, she dropped out of college didn't go to college and she has this crazy act. we don't know a lot about her but i feel like she her performance takes her beyond that very superficial character and 
you know, the way that she relates with Peter, but also just how likable she is and, um, you know, I guess strong she is in making her decisions. Um, you know, I, I think she avoids that. Uh, that could have gone the wrong way, I think, in this film. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. She, she brings, you know, she, she, you get the sense that she has gone through this turmoil that Peter has gone through. Now she's gone, you know, she, she's working on herself. So she's, she's not blabbering on and on about it. Like he, like he is, but I, I do like the moment, you know, where, uh, they, she essentially says, Hey, don't, you know, don't contact me anymore. And I like that aspect of that. Like they truly kind of found themselves before they found each other again. Yeah. I, uh, we'll probably go back to that. Cause I kind of jumped to <laughs> <laughs> jumped a few categories down, but uh, the category, I know the second category I have is the best friend. There's usually a best friend component in here. Um, I'm going to, I did this on the last podcast. I kind of let the guests dictate this because these movies, I, I came up with this category before all this started. Uh, it's been a little bit harder to nail down. So I think you could say his, uh, his stepbrother uh, played by Bill Hader could be his Peter's best friend in this, but there's also, there's, there's a slew of, uh, friends that he makes in Hawaii, you know, Kunu, who we've talked about, Dwayne, the bartender, Kimo, who, you know, just is in his room all the time somehow. Uh, and Daryl played by Jack McBriar. So I'm going to let you decide, should it just be Bill Hader standalone or should it be a culmination of all these characters? You know, I love the Bill Hader scenes. They're super funny, but he is just so uh, negative and mean <laughs> And it's funny. It's great. It works. It is one perspective about what's going on in Peter's life and how Peter's dealing with it. But I don't I don't think he really falls into the best friend or, you know, a lot of times it's sort of the oracle, um, you know, and so I, I'm going to have to go with the bartender. Um, OK, you know, I think he he acts as the best friend for Peter and also for Rachel. Right. Mm hmm. And um, and so I think he provides the best, the soundest advice and the best perspective. Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, with, I, I think that's fair, because just as you're saying that, isn't it like even after he leaves, um, he kind of sticks up to Peter for Peter and to Rachel. I, I don't oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She goes to him to bash Peter and to, you know, be like, can you believe this? And he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, she had his penis in her mouth and he stopped her <laughs> yeah, that's like right. that. That was a Herculean feat. I forget. Oh, he's like, he's like, he's like Gandhi, but better. He likes <laughs> puppets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great light. Okay. So, uh, one heart to five hearts. So what, what, what would you give him? Uh, I'll give him a three just because not a lot of screen time, not, you know, not a lot of history with him. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree there. That's that, that's a good solid line for sure. Uh, uh, writing. Um, okay, so this one's a little bit different too. Uh, I always think a great rom com has a, a really good soundtrack. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance, but I looked up the soundtrack on Spotify, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of three parts. One is just songs of the times, like it opens up with that cake song. Uh, the other third of it are basically Hawaiian covers of popular songs. <laughs> like, Which I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other third is the actual original songs that this movie uh, 
pulls off both from out of snow, but also from uh, the Dracula musical that we've spoken of, uh, which I always think is a pretty uh, amazing feat to write original comedic song and it works in movies or whatever. But uh, how, how would you rate this soundtrack? So pure soundtrack, I'd give it a two and a half. I don't really count the original uh, songs that are part of the story as soundtrack. Um, I mean, and but they were fantastic, right? Uh, but I, I kind of think of soundtrack as what I would listen to in my car driving down the road. And there's some movies, of course, that have great soundtracks or even scores that I'm just like, man, this is fantastic. Um, but, you know, there, there wasn't really anything that moved me about the the song choice apart from the original um, you know, inside of you was, was pretty moving, but it kind of in a different way. Yeah. Um, I promise you, I'm not, I'm not just copying you this whole time, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you on this. I'm, so. I'm hard to disagree with. I'm very <laughs> insightful and I'm much like Aldous Snow in that I'm so cool that you just <laughs> want to identify with me. Yeah. I'm kind of like it, a Gothic Neil Diamond. <laughs> you know, I was actually telling Whitney before this recording, I said, I am about to talk to the gothic Neil Diamond. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm I'm there with you. Like, I, I think the original songs are fantastic. Is it something I would just pop on and listen to all the time? No, it works great for the movie. The kind of songs that they're like, basically the popular songs of the day, I listen through those. Those aren't really great. I, I do like the, I almost think of, it's not on this soundtrack, but the Somewhere Over the Rainbow kind of uh, ukulele version. Yeah. That's so popular in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you hear them, they kind of work, but is that something I listen to all the time? Eh, probably not, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm there with you. Um, here's the category I was kind of making reference to, but there always seems to be a chase scene or a declaration of love uh, in a rom-com movie. Um this one kind of uh, there's not so much a chase but i guess i don't know if him going back to the bar and ripping her picture down from the bathroom wall is her his big declaration of love but how how do you view that this uh, category i think that is the big declaration of love and also it gives us the chance to have a second appearance of uh branscombe richmond the guy that owns the bar runs the bar who uh i I think's hawaiian um (laughs) And so this goes back earlier. I mentioned the reason I one of the reasons I'm so into movies because of the experience of going to the movies with my dad. Um, Something else, a memory that I have, he didn't like a lot of television shows in particular, but he loved the show Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. And uh, and 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 Richmond played his Lorenzo Lamas's sidekick in that. Um, Bobby Six Killer was the character's name. So I saw him on, you know, when I saw him in this movie in 2008 and, and again, I was like, oh man, it just sort of took me down. Um, but yeah, I think that's the big declaration of love. He goes in, he takes his ass whipping to get the picture to defend her honor. And he did it in a way that was consistent with his character. You know, he could, he didn't fight back. He doesn't, he just tells him, you're going to hit me as many times as you want, but I'm going to take this picture. Um, and I love how it doesn't work. I mean, it, it's in the mix for probably mm-hmm. why, right? But she doesn't say, okay, let's get together. Mm-hmm. It's a year later, or you know, when he sends her the flyer of his show, saying what we have been talking about, saying to her, hey, I know who I am now. If you're interested in that guy, come on. Yeah. 
so so what where are you putting it on the scale there on the scale i forgot you didn't mention the scale when you asked the question but yeah um I, it is a pretty weak i think like you said it's no high fidelity um I, i'm just gonna give it a three oh, okay I, I i gave it three and a half just uh because um yeah it's it's not the most memorable thing in, in the movie. Um, but like you, I appreciate that that's not the catalyst for them really getting together. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's almost kind of like, I know they, you know, set it up at the beginning of the movie and it's almost kind of throws you off a little bit of like, Oh wait, why, why is he going? It's kind of weird that that's like what he went back to in his brain, you know, but he, he's a guy who doesn't make the best decisions. Uh, and those were not, Mila Kunis's real boobs, and so I deducted one for that. So it would have been a four, but I deducted one because I found out those weren't real. Okay, <laughs> I, I read that as well, but that that wasn't something I got in with with Whitney. With like, what do you think were those really hers real boobs? Or <laughs> so yeah, that's one uh, of those scenes where you just continue to stare at the screen, uh, like hoping that you don't see your wife or significant other look over at you. You just look indifferent, but you can't look away because, you know, then you look guilty. <laughs> the last category, and I think it's the one the most important when it comes to romantic comedy is the rewatchability factor. I feel like I should say my rating just so you don't think I'm copying you the whole time. But I I, <laughs> I, I think this is five hearts easy. I, I think this could pop up anytime and I, I'd probably sit down and watch more of it, even if I was like really busy or something. Oh, I'm going to go one heart. I never want to see it again. No, oh, man. I, no, I'm just kidding. I, I feel like I've just been really too over the top advocating for this movie. But I agree with you. Five hearts for sure. If it came on TV, I'd stop flipping channels. And, uh, you know, if I were at home, a lot of times when I do my rewatch, it's when I'm at home alone, like when Aaron or the kids are gone and I don't want to watch something that she might want to watch or whatever. So I go to something familiar. It's definitely something that I would, would put on. And I'm, I'm confident that I would hear jokes and see things that I I didn't notice before. or didn't remember before. Yeah. It's just yeah. a fast pace, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think, uh, I almost like appreciate this movie even being a little older now. Uh, thankfully I don't have to go through all the things that these characters go through, but you know, it, it reminded me of like how difficult, you know, uh, romantic relationships can be sometimes. And so uh, I think it works on a comedic level, but, you know, I, I do think it's uh, a lot, way more dramatic and more real to life than a lot of things, even though it's a pretty over the top film <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, that's what Judd Apatow, um, you know, and he, he's even when he's producing, he's very involved in, you know, that's what he's supposed to be, but you know, his, his mark, and I, the criticism that I've seen that I tend to sort of agree with, you know, he does delve into the mundane and the, the normal experience. And that's a great part of his work. But he does it in this generally sort of white, sanitized setting. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that's I mean, how like this movie happens in paradise, basically. Right. And um you know, you have these people that have the capacity to go on and have interesting careers and lives and that sort of thing. There, there's some lack of verisimilitude, but I, I think that's what allows it to be, a, you know, a good romantic comedy. You sort of take out those other worries, the other 
strife you got to go through. I'm channeling uh, Jungle Book right now. Um, but anyway, so that that's the only negative that I that I see that, that I would have for the movie is that it is a little bit, um, I guess, out of touch from most experience, but probably very much in touch with the Aptal experience. <laughs> that yeah that makes that makes perfect sense yeah when when i'm having a rough go i can't just uh fly out to hawaii but <laughs> you end up in the oprah suite or whatever it is like oh yeah yeah that just doesn't just, happen to me yeah know. just how that's like like given to them <laughs> i know that's like that's one definitely one moment in the film that you're like uh, okay recommendations <laughs> Is there any kind of piece of entertainment that you've really been digging lately or uh, really enjoying? So I always listen to a book and read a book at night. I read a paper book and in my car, I listen to something. And so right now I am listening to uh, mythos by Stephen Fry. Okay. Highly recommend it. It's uh, really just going through the Greek mythology but, and, and, you know, Stephen Fry, he's a British actor, what we know him from, uh, you know, V for Vendetta. He was her boss. You know, if you've watched much British television or whatever, you would absolutely recognize the guy. But he he does the voice performance of the book and it's so good. And then the uh, the book I'm reading now is one of my pleasures. I don't I don't like to call books guilty pleasures because I think you just read whatever you want to read without regard for what anybody else will think. But um, whenever I get in a rut, I always go back to a Hap and Leonard book. And I don't know, did you see that show? It was released on Sundance, the channel first. And then I think Netflix picked it up. It had Thomas Jane and, um, oh my gosh, the guy that played uh, Chalky um, White in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, hmm. Sorry, I'm not uh, Michael Michael Williams. Okay, uh, who you know uh, recently passed away tragically, uh, or in 2021 passed away. Um, anyway, but the books are written by someone else from East Texas, uh, Joe Lansdale, and oh. he has he's had a couple of uh, adaptations into movies and stuff. Um, uh, Summer, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, you can look him up. But uh, but so it's like this amateur detective type thing. Uh, Hap is a guy that dodged the draft, did a little prison time for it, got pardoned. But he's a hippie. And then his like brother, so Hap's a white dude. And then his brother, for all intents and purposes, is Leonard, who is a homosexual, um, just badass conservative. And they find themselves into these these different pickles in East Texas. Um, it's just really entertaining i mean it's, it's pretty lowbrow literature let me tell you but uh, <laughs> it's it's comforting and entertaining i love it if you like detective stuff if you like sort of sophomore humor from time to time i highly recommend it okay and no that's that's good no i we're we're i've been trying to get into reading more uh this year and so uh yeah th that's those are great recommendations. Uh, the one that I, um, I don't know if you're a big fan of a uh, stand-up comedy, but um, one of my favorites recently, uh, his name's Nate Bragazzi. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, before? I have. 
Yeah, so uh, he just came out with a new special called Hello World on Amazon Prime. Uh, you can find a lot of his stuff on Netflix. Um, but anyway, uh, he's from Tennessee. He's kind of got a slow <laughs> drawl about him a little bit. Um, and maybe that's why I connect to him a little bit, being from <laughs> East Texas. Uh, but anyway, uh, I just watched it the other night. And if people uh, haven't checked out his stuff, I, I think he's worth checking out. Um, the material he did, we actually saw him. He came to the uh, Oklahoma City, I guess it was last year, and it was a makeup tour for uh he was originally supposed to come during covid and pandemic so it got canceled and so anyway uh i had heard all the material before in this special i didn't realize it was gonna be the same stuff but anyway uh it's he's i think he's pretty hilarious so um if people if people like stand-up comedy i i think you should check him out and uh anyway he's he's pretty clean too so if i was gonna say like, he works clean which yeah. is tough to do i think which, and, yeah for sure yeah, and honestly, when I've seen his stand-up on Netflix, I have thought of you on occasion. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it just seems like the kind of humor that you would be into. And, you know, generally, you know, you uh, you try not to go too blue and uh, with your personal humor and your taste. And so... I uh, genuinely, I mean, I thought of you and your cousin, Greg Ross. <laughs> well, I guess he also, his name's Nate. So maybe there's the connection there also, but yeah. That was it. That was yeah. It. Yeah. So uh, that's hilarious. Well, um, so next week on the show, we are going to discuss number 41 on the list. Actually, uh, my, my niece is coming on uh, and uh, she lives in Fort Worth actually. Uh, but um, we're going to talk about she's the man. Uh, starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum, which it's one of the few films on this list that I've never seen. Uh, Maddie's she's in her mid twenties, uh, so uh, I think maybe this is more of a movie she grown up, you know, grew up watching or whatever. So it should be interesting. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not seen that movie. I missed <laughs> that one, and I love Channing Tatum. I think he's great. Uh, Amanda Bynes, I don't have anything bad to say about. So you know, maybe it would be a movie I'd, I'd enjoy. Yeah, it, it came out in 2006, so two years before Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So it's probably uh, something I didn't take you know into consideration at the time. So anyway, but um, I'm excited. Uh, you know, kind of a new uh, movie. I always like seeing new movies, so it'll be interesting to explore that one. So uh, anyway, uh, people you know always can visit our website, moviesarelife.com, uh, for reviews and past episodes and more stuff. Um, thanks for coming on and doing this so this is fun i know you're a i know you're a busy man so <laughs> i appreciate it this was so much fun really i've been looking forward to this since you uh sent out a message asking about it i've really been looking forward to this one just to get spent to spend some time with you oh yeah for but, sure but also like i said i love movies and this movie is a great one so hopefully we'll talk again sooner than later thanks yeah thanks for having me